This episode of The Clear Out was recorded on the 14th of March 2023 at home in Wicklow and it speaks about a few different things but everything is attached to the idea of what is earned and consuming things that haven't been earned. Primarily this is coming out of a discussion about the internet and online culture and what we consume and how much we consume for free how much we consume without having paid for it without having earned it and the dubious nature in my opinion of that transaction uh, into the mix and connected to this idea I discuss in quite a bit of detail with spoilers Darren Aronofsky's film The Whale, for which Brendan Fraser just won the Best Actor Oscar at the Academy Awards. I also talk about Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which dominated the Oscars this year. Um, I have a few moments also to talk about The Shape of Water, another Oscar winner from a few years ago. Uh, all of those connected to the idea of things earned. Um, and yeah... I also find time to talk about Ronald Reagan. Yes, that Ronald Reagan. Is there any other? And something that occurred to me connected to this idea um, after listening to uh, some podcasts about his political journey. So, so yeah, so that's what's coming up. Um, I think I'm more or less successful in threading something connective to those ideas the dangers of the internet what it's doing to our brains yeah the former u.s president ronald reagan and uh yeah taran aronofsky's the whale so if that sounds intriguing if that sounds like it might be your bag get listening and i'll see you there right around the corner cheers not gonna change my mind leaving the dream Hi, my name is Dara Clear and you're listening to The Clear Out. You're very welcome. I hope this finds you well. How are you? How are you right now? Just do a quick, just do a quick check, a quick, how's it going to yourself? (laughs) How's it going, self? Okay, they're they're the four options I presented, different frequencies of inner wellness only you can know although that's not actually true is it often we play tricks on ourselves often we deceive and delude ourselves and we're telling ourselves a story about ourselves that simply isn't true (laughs) i remember i remember years ago years ago when when i was in first university then a few years after that in acting school and I thought I was a very relaxed guy (laughs) I couldn't have been more wrong I couldn't have been more wrong anyway that that um that delusion was was pointed out to me uh in 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 quite quite straightforward terms 
by by an ex-girlfriend anyway whatever so here we are it's another week and yes i'm looking out the window at a a beautiful beautiful sunny day it's quite cold very cold this morning actually when i was out in the the jardin as they say in france uh out in the uh, the garden with the dog doing my thing and trying to entertain the dog at the same time early morning early morning messing in the actually the field rather than the garden there's a field behind the garden here at hashtag blessed and i was out there i've been going out there for the last couple of weeks because the garden has just been a swamp a mud fest um there's another word i'm I'm struggling to to think of i want to say gulag now i know it's not a gulag but something else something very sucky and clingy and grabby um <laughs> a stalker anyway it's in the sun it's actually lovely and this room the home office home studio home music room where my wife and i do these things where she where she does her thing and i come in once a week to do my thing uh it doesn't get a huge amount of direct sunlight it's it, it's a bit it can be a bit chilly in here um but that sun oh my goodness it is absolutely beautiful and it's a great relief because the forecast was was grim rain rain and more rain um although if i recall correctly i think tuesday was i'm recording this on a tuesday tuesday was forecast to be fair okay great there's there's the weather report fascinating fascinating compelling and rich content as always just what you've come to expect on the clear out and just briefly just briefly i do it every few weeks um i just give a bit of a a bit of a synopsis of the sort of the mission of the clear out the the raison d'etre why it exists and fundamentally the clear out is about exploring exploring wellness but a wellness rooted in reality a wellness rooted in authenticity vulnerability honesty a wellness that's rooted in the reality that we're flawed and imperfect and sometimes the the everyday gettings on and the everyday survival modes are extraordinarily mundane and unshiny and routine and completely unremarkable and that's kind of it's kind of what i celebrate (laughs) it's kind of what i celebrate here on this podcast um and i hang my wellness ideas on lots of different things sometimes philosophy sometimes psychology sometimes politics current affairs often stuff connected to the movies sometimes connected to martial arts um personal experience personal testimony um and there's always probably an an underlying desire to make what i'm talking about relatable because i i I believe it is I, i believe we all we all struggle on 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 a basic level just to to stay afloat 
And maybe maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe you're listening going, what are you talking about? My life is wonderful. I'm so happy for you if that is the case. Congratulations. Well done. And travel on. Travel on. And travel well. And good luck to you. That's that's great. Great for you. Um, of course, there are, <laughs> there are always exceptions. Um, and I, there... There is a relevance to me even owning up to that conviction that I have that we all struggle on some level Um, because sometimes I have to, I don't have to, but I choose to, I want to in the interests of keeping things (laughs) rigorous and, and tethered to the aforementioned desire to be honest and open. Uh, I try to examine my rhetoric and examine my beliefs to sort of to sort of water test them to go well hold on is this is this still true what i repeat and the idea that we all struggle sometimes to go well hold on is that just my headspace is that just an indication of my own personal journey and is it completely solipsistic is it completely well if this is my experience it must be everybody else's experience and sometimes there is that and sometimes that has to be checked um, because the one thing, the one thing I'd be disappointed about if I, if for some ungodly reason I ever chose to go back and listen to myself, I'd be very disappointed if any of this came across as negative, negative or defeatist. Um, but sometimes I, I, I do catch myself saying things and I kind of, I kind of go, oh, am I still? Am I still trotting out that old chestnut? Have things not shifted? Because this is one of the great contradictions, um, certainly in my worldview, that there are constants amongst the ever-changing, the ever-changing journey. Um, one constant is the presence of, of self, no matter what the objective, uh, the objective sort of atomic level reality of self is, um, or whatever the neuroscientific reality of self is, I, I I tend to stay very focused on. Well, this is <laughs> I'm 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 quite pragmatic and unimaginative in how I meet the world and I'll go well here I am right now doing this this is the reality and I am I am the I within this reality and there's no evidence that I can see around me to persuade me otherwise and this is what this collection of atoms particles and being and flesh is doing in this instant and I tend to stay in that place because that makes sense to me. Um, yeah, anyway. Okay, so I don't know if that made things more clear or less clear. And that is, of course, you know, it's not a, it's not a coincidence that the, the, the podcast is called The Clear Out because there is uh, a stated desire to declutter and to clarify and to connect. And that goes back to the, the blog, which really 
um, was the the birthing ground for the podcast. So uh, the blog, the clear out that I wrote for eight years before it morphed into this audio format. Uh, now today, the focus. What is the focus? The focus today is going to be on a few different things, and I'm going to try and find the overarching theme. And the overarching theme is going to be connected to earning, earning something. Now, I'm not talking about financial earnings, although maybe it works in that area too. Um, But the sense of bringing things into your life that you have, have worked for or you've contributed to creating that space to allow them to come into your life if that if that makes sense to you and i'm going to hang this idea um around a few different things so one of the things is going to be darren aronofsky's filmed version of the samuel d butler play the whale for which brendan fraser just won the best actor oscar the other night uh i'm also going to refer to the former u.s president ronald reagan the late and depending on your viewpoint great or not so great president uh, ronald reagan um and i'm going to also talk about the the internet the online space the online world the the thing that has radically changed our lives over the last 30 years or more. Um, they're probably the three main kernels that I'm going to try and thread this connective tissue uh, through. So where to begin i'll begin i'll begin with i'll begin with the the movies um i'll begin with darren aronofsky's the whale and if you haven't seen it yet and you think you want to see it um and you're more interested in seeing it now that you know brendan fraser has won the big the big acting award the oscar um you should stop listening for the next five or ten minutes while i talk about it um because i will i will be spoiling uh key plot points of the movie um okay so here's your chance you can just skip forward and not listen to me go on about this movie darren aronofsky's the whale is really not a very good movie that is my opinion after having seen it i think it's really bloody poor actually and i had i just had an inkling that that was going to be the case um but i i i was disappointed on almost every level and as i was watching it i kept reminding myself okay this was a stage play first 10 years ago uh, or 11 years ago i think 2012 was when it was first staged off broadway um to to actually it seemed consistent uh, critical acclaim i i went and read a handful 
half a dozen reviews of the stage production and it was it seemed to be like universally acclaimed um but something something that worked on stage just doesn't seem to have worked in the movie uh, as far as i'm concerned and brendan fraser's performance i i don't know i don't know really um certainly a very what a very like what, what what he's offering us as a performer is a lot of emotion a lot of soft emotion a lot of sadness a lot of sweetness um but not much of a journey i would say over the course of the of the movie there's not much of a an arc there from like we, we we reach him at a point where he doesn't really have anywhere left to go and the stakes in spite of what the the story delivers in spite of you know the the plot machinations the stakes just don't feel very high um because he's you know as as a character i i don't see i didn't see any moment of 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 revelation um you see self-loathing i suppose um because he is if 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 you I mean, you probably know this much that brendan fraser in the whale plays a morbidly obese uh dying uh man who he, he's he's a he's an online english teacher who teaches um kind of persuasive essay writing and very true i think to the play there's only four or five other characters in the play i mean you see some of his students online on a, on a zoom class but otherwise it's his friend who's also a nurse um his his daughter uh he, like who, who who he's been estranged from for several years and is furious with him um his teenage daughter that is uh his wife for one scene um and a young a young kind of door to door uh missionary uh in the form of a, a mormon esque uh you know clean cut midwestern boy who is trying to spread the word of god and then there's a, a pizza delivery guy as well that's it so it is it you know and, and it's it's confined to his 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 flat his apartment his you know his, where he lives and i think probably the only thing i could take away from it that i felt was remarkable was the the body makeup the, the prosthetic fat body that we see in all its glory uh in a couple of different scenes um and you know as as a feat of you know makeup and prosthetic artistry you're like yeah wow that's that's very impressive um i didn't feel revulsion um i didn't find the body particularly interesting um i was like okay well show me like who who is this guy and i i could i 
I come I came away from the film just kind of going, well, ultimately it's just a really wet, soggy performance from Brendan Fraser. Um and very sort of one note. And I found all the other characters very one note as well. The angry, angry daughter stayed very angry. The lost, confused missionary stayed like that. The, you know, the hurt, grieving friend whose brother was Brendan Fraser's uh, partner um, for whom he left his wife and daughter in the film eight years earlier in the stage play 15 years earlier um who subsequently died after being kicked out of his church um and in the play very explicitly it's a, it's 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 mormons it's a mormon church in the film they change it to a more generically um you know new age church um and then the the angry stressed you know jilted mother uh, his ex-wife uh comes in played by samantha morton um and i don't know i I just i really just didn't believe any of them i just thought they were poorly written and i found myself not disappointed with aronofsky i found myself going who wrote this who wrote these characters everything's so kind of conveniently interconnected um and maybe it just hasn't aged well you know 10 years later um but yeah it just i don't know it just felt okay let's all look at the fat man and feel sorry for him and oh yeah also he's gay and his his lover died and his lover died because he stopped eating and and look at him, he's so sad, he's he's eating himself to death and he's eating his feelings. Which just feels like um it feels like a like a, a trope. Um and I don't know. I don't know. I I, I just I, I couldn't have been I couldn't have been less impressed. And as I watched it, I just was waiting, 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 waiting. When is this thing gonna get its hooks into me? When am I going to be moved? And I was very open. I was very open to it. That's generally how I try to watch movies. But when they're not good, they're not good. And yeah, I don't know. It it, it just for me it's it's simply not worth it's not worth seeing. And I know there's been mixed reviews. Some critics, some reviewers of the movie have really liked it. And most critics uh, seem to have lots of nice things to say about Brendan Fraser's performance. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, fair play to him getting around in that enormous uh, body for the duration of filming. And, uh, you know, I I, I, I didn't, I, I mean, I didn't disbelieve him, but I just found he wasn't very interesting. Um, I had this issue a few years ago as well with... Uh, Another movie that it, 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 it what, what did it didn't win the best movie Oscar did it? The Shape of Water, with wasn't it Sally Potter? Have I got that name right? No, Sally Hawkins. Um, set back in the day, was it set in the fifties in America? And this kind of aquatic alien figure is discovered, 
and been kept in some high security unit and Sally Hawkins sort of falls in love with him. Um, and again, in that movie, I forgot her name right, I kicked myself. Um, in that movie, she didn't have any journey to go on because she just kind of took everything in a very blithely accepting way and yeah just a very blithely it's all good and this is normal and this is just how I feel and it's love and fascination and funnily enough here's a coincidence I think that movie started off with Sally Hawkins playing with herself in the bath and the whale starts off with Brendan Fraser's Brendan Fraser's character masturbating in front of you know while watching porn and it you know when he climaxes it it it, it triggers an almost heart attack um but again with like with the Sally Hawkins character in the shape of water both characters there, there's no journey they don't go on any journey and therefore um and this is where I'm coming back to my, my, my thesis for this episode. Nothing's earned. If there's nowhere to go, there's no sense of having arrived somewhere. There's no sense of having been brought on a journey. Because the, the, the central protagonist with whom we're being invited to identify or relate or offer sympathy or share or care for... Um, simply ha- simply doesn't go anywhere because they're 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 fully sort of they're they're in very happy places with themselves now okay that's not that that that, that would that would misrepresent you can't say that Brendan Fraser's character is happy with where he is and yet he's so clear about his his world view so in spite of this body that represents all his grief and sadness and rage and and maybe his impotence and his broken heart. Within all that, he's Mr. Shiny Happy People, you know, on a fundamental level. Um, I don't know. It, it was just, I don't know. There was something tonally very off. And then all this anger and grief around him. Um... I suppose raging. Oh, anyway, I just I don't know. I, I, as a play, I guess I, I sort of could instinctively feel how it might work better as a play, um, and maybe having his flesh made real in in film. I don't know. Became too much of a distraction, and of course, then there's the you know the overarching kind of theme of. Um, the metaphor of of the whale and the English tutor and this this central essay on Moby Dick that he cherishes uh, that has particular I won't spoil that but has particular significance later in the story and then yeah a really bizarre ending as well um, 
I don't know. I wasn't moved at all. I, 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 I really thought it was dreadful, actually. Um, and, you know, well done, Brendan Fraser. And he seems like a very nice guy. And if it, like, it's very, I, I think I referred to this before. He had a very, very interesting, but also quite weird and um, awkward interview with Mark Maron on on the WTF podcast which I think is worth listening to just for their own like how they both were relating to each other and how Mark Mark Maron got very upset at one point like you know crying emotional about the movie but Mark Maron if he hasn't explicitly said it, I, th- I think he's explicitly said it like you know there's been he may have had uh, he may have like a sort of you know eating disorder or like be and you know an an issue with food that that is eating disorder adjacent or body dysmorphic adjacent um and so i think this was one thing that occurred to me as i watched the movie that maybe for an american audience and you know forgive me if you're an american listener um, because I, I, I trot out these generalizations or my you know my these generalized perceptions of America and Americans um but if if it's fair to say that the idea of um, obesity being something that's widespread um in America uh, and maybe in America before many other countries it's, I mean it's, it's it's a growing issue around the world uh but I think if you're an American, you know, maybe you've got, you know, maybe if not first-hand experience, second-hand experience or been, you know, proximate to obesity uh, up close and personal. And maybe it has more resonance um, as, you know, as something that is relatable, that is more uh, deeply personal, um, that reflects something else um in the you know in, in american life um in terms of the the idea of consuming your way to to a solution or consuming your way to to happiness consuming your way to um consuming your way to what to to escape yeah consuming your way to an escape from life um and so maybe and again this is so broad and so general and not backed up by any of my own research (laughs) purely speculative but I, i found myself wondering okay so if you're an american watching this does it does it hit you in a different place and maybe it does um so that 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 thought was in the mix as well so look that's that's kind of all I'm going to say about the whale. Um, and again, I want to connect everything I've just said to this idea of being unearned. So this big kind of climactic ending to the movie, um, which is presumably meant to reduce us all to tears, a cathartic moment left me completely unmoved because yeah it just i don't know the, the the journey that led up to it was so uninteresting and unearned yeah 
Now, staying with movies briefly, and I don't know if this will connect to the, the thesis or not, or not, I will just say that the the multiple wins, the like the absolute unmitigated triumph at the Oscars of Everything Everywhere All at Once, the, the movie directed by the Daniels. I, I only know them as the Daniels. It's a, it's a two-headed team, and they both have Daniel in their name, and I can't think of their other names. Everything Everywhere All at Once um, just had this extraordinary momentum um, and goodwill, largely helped by the the enthusiastic participation in all the award ceremonies of Jamie Lee Curtis and Michelle Yeoh and Kei Kwan, um, who were just consistently charming and funny and engaging and moving. Um, and yeah, it certainly helped. It helped just this grow this kind of groundswell of, of enthusiasm and support for the movie. I've watched the movie twice and I'm still, uh, to, to, to borrow a word um, that Peter Bradshaw, uh, the film critic from The Guardian, is very fond of using, agnostic. <laughs> Everybody tells me it's there. I kind of, yeah, yeah, I, I'm just not seeing it. I don't really believe it, but everyone's saying it's amazing. Um, I feel a bit like that about this movie. I've, I watched it twice and there are things in it that I liked I mean fundamentally it's a very conventional story about um, middle aged depression uh, a middle aged existential crisis a middle aged um, moment of reflecting on regret and paths not taken and what if scenarios Uh, and you throw into that mix um, the sense of individual alienation from one's partner uh, and from one's grown-up child Um, and all that stuff is yeah all that stuff is super relatable and I think really well performed actually by Michelle Yeoh I mean I, I found her really really good in the movie but the 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 like the the mode of storytelling, like what that very relatable universal scenario is thrown into, um, is this wildly antic, multiverse, um, world hopping um, movie, which the way I've been describing it to people, it's like, okay, so this is, this is like the YouTube generation um, at the helm. And it's the the fast edit, it's the ADHD, it's the relentless pop cultural referencing, it's the the raised eyebrow, it's the winking, it's the the archness, the postmodernness of it um, that just keeps things skipping along at a pace that is, and it's and it's probably one of the first times I've truly genuinely felt oh. I'm <laughs> I'm getting older because I just can't quite relate to this even though I feel like I'm getting most of the references and enjoying them um there's something about the mode of storytelling that it's just denying me access and 
it was only in the kind of the slower moments and the slower scenes where I felt, yeah, I'm getting access to the characters and the story beats that, oh, I'm really enjoying this and I can go on a journey with these characters. I care about them. But otherwise, it was like someone going, here, let me sit you down and show you 50 TikTok videos I've just edited randomly. Um, and every fifth or sixth TikTok video, I'm going to give you a moment of quiet but then keep them coming again and it, that the speed of delivery just accelerates more and more as the movie goes on. Uh, so I'm kind of amazed that it's been such a smash. But I have a suspicion. I mean, I don't know how, how time, how kind time will be to the the awarding of all the awards. I think the movie will age, you know, probably very well in in a way that will be very reflective of 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 a changing mode of storytelling done really well and maybe my brain will catch up adapt morph shift um but it's probably the least obvious oscar winner that i can you know for for best picture best director the acting awards for jamie lee curtis kehi kwan and michelle yo um, the, you know that that it's the least obvious winner that I, you know that I've ever that I can think of, um, and again maybe maybe you could say in terms of this idea of things earned. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about the the payoff, uh, but there is something lovely about the Michelle Yeoh performance, really. And then there's that kind of good news story about Kehi Kwan, who, again, for someone of my age, would have known him as Data in The Goonies and as, is he called Short Stuff or Short Stuff? <laughs> Short Stuff in the, uh, in the second Indiana Jones movie, The Temple of Doom. Um, and certainly as a, as a young viewer, I thought, oh, yeah, I really like that guy. I like that kid. And he was funny um, and... Yeah, just a very, very likable presence. And, and that were, those are probably the only two movies I ever, I can remember ever seeing him in. And even after I'd watched Everything Everywhere all at once the first time, I didn't realise it was him until I started seeing some of the publicity and the social media stuff and clips from the award ceremonies. I was like, oh, it's that guy. And that was one thing I did think was nice. I didn't watch the Oscars, but I saw um, on a clip Harrison Ford um giving them handing them an award at some point that might have been for the best movie i'm not sure um and it, you know having a huge hug with harrison ford and i thought well that's really nice because <laughs> harrison ford to me always comes across like a good guy in all his interviews and he, he doesn't give a lot of them um but i think he probably would have been a good guy to work with and if you're a, a kid a child actor working with him in a huge movie such as was uh indiana jones and the temple of tomb um, I'm sure Kehi Kwan admired him enormously, uh, and the good news story is that his career kind of you know faded away, and this is a huge comeback story. And yeah, the the the, the Academy love all that stuff. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis not a comeback story, but she's very funny in the movie. Um, it's just it's it is it's a wild movie, and now as I'm thinking about, it, there are so many yeah crazy sequences that. It does if you take them on their own terms and just go with it there's a lot to enjoy and appreciate I, i'm just not sure how well the whole thing works um not for me anyway so 
But there is something now, okay, let me just draw this connection now to, I'm going to pivot over to internet territory. And of course, maybe a movie like Everything Everywhere All at Once, it, it simply would have been inconceivable in pre-internet times. Um, because I suppose it would be like, it would be like a, a medley of some kind, like a, a movie medley. And for some reason I'm thinking of, there's a sequence in Singing in the Rain, which tries to show the embrace of the new technology that is sound. And there's a whole sequence of different sort of musical clips and musical styles as the studios just rush headlong into producing numbers with sound. And it's it's just this ongoing medley of partial songs and numbers in different styles and um you know tempos costumes stagings etc so i suppose that would be <laughs> imagine two hours of that i my brain doesn't want that my brain doesn't want that it wants to focus on on one thing um in terms of digesting a story in terms of digesting art in terms of yeah in terms of taking something into my into my being into my mind into my emotions um and so it, it everything everywhere all at once it's 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 the antithesis of of slow cinema and of slow you know more modulated storytelling and it couldn't have happened um in in the way it did in the pre-internet age um and it does it does well it certainly makes me think about this idea that for people who have grown up just consuming internet content and particularly you know video content and viral video content and producing that kind of content and and even youtube itself might be a slightly outdated idea in terms of a reference point and something like tiktok um is much more the now thing um the how is that not going to affect the brain how is that not going to affect what the brain desires in terms of how it consumes content how it consumes things that are meant to divert entertain educate move um and throw into the mix the idea that maybe people of a certain age and i mean you know there's nothing to say there are not people of my age and older who are have enormous enthusiasm for this but again i would suggest that it is primarily um a younger person's experience that they'd also be consuming up this stuff on multiple devices um maybe a couple of phones maybe a laptop or two maybe something you know projected cast to a big screen um, while having multiple chats across multiple apps and creating content who knows who knows and who knows i mean ai is starting to make its presence felt in terms of what people are producing online um i haven't gone there yet i haven't i haven't i've just i'm not yeah <laughs> i haven't gone there it's 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 one it's one distraction uh one more distraction i don't need or want um 
But anyway, I was talking to some friends recently. Um, I shared with them an article that George, now George Monbiot, George Monbiot, uh, a writer for, again, for The Guardian, who who's, who's politics and sort of um, environmental views, uh, political views, social views, I, I, I generally find myself chiming with. And he wrote a piece about Russell Brand fundamentally saying he thinks Russell Brand has completely lost his way and has just fallen into a sort of de facto iconoclasm and uh, become um, a sort of a conspiracy theorist, um, uh, you know, advocate. Um, and he said it's a, you know, it's, a bit, it's, a, it's a huge journey from 10 years ago when George Monbiot first heralded Russell Brand as a very kind of progressive positive voice uh, in the culture um, and I just shared the article with some friends to go like, what do you make of this do you have any position do you have any interest uh, or thoughts on Russell Brand my own feeling about Russell Brand is you know he was a what a comedian who um, has been very public about his uh, you know his his addiction and getting over addiction his recovery and has enjoyed quite a bit of success as a, like a comic actor and then moved into this sort of this this space that exists online for people um, and often it seems that it's a lot of male voices and, and maybe I'm guilty of this too but I, I, th- I, I, I like to think I'm not um, and, and obviously because I have zero profile uh, <laughs> in that regard I'm certainly not but this very kind of blokey space um and maybe maybe that that that, that's probably misrepresenting russell brand but certainly a space where someone who wants to sort of wade into all the issues of the day with strongly held opinions and challenge the status quo and constantly bring a loud voice uh to proceedings that that's out there that's available and and certainly you know certainly podcasts are another version of that um and uh, and i suppose in my own case it just happens i'm not that interested in wading in in a particularly strident way or combative way or a shrill way uh i continue i continue to be far more interested in the the internal journey rather than the external journey um so that would be a, a kind of a key distinction for me um and maybe maybe also there's a fear of of sticking my head above the parapet um but in any case one of the things that came out of this this article and the chat I was having with a couple of friends this is all uh, you know via text message and you know that kind of thing was there seemed to be a general uh, consensus that the the internet is destroying our brains and that the internet is yeah fundamentally having a very detrimental effect on our our mental well-being um 
and a detrimental effect on how we perceive the world, how we perceive what's happening in the world, how we perceive what's at stake, um, and how we how we maybe negotiate our own perspectives and our own sense of being able to understand and see things clearly and one of one of the people i shared you know one of the people who was involved in this conversation um was suggesting that you know the internet still has enormous potential to be a force for for good in terms of what any one of us would be trying to achieve or pursue online. I mean, certainly, if you think of this format, a podcast, and trying to put something out there in the public space, free of charge, available to everyone, the internet would seem to me still to have great potential for that to be an area of of growth, of of connection, of exposure, um, and potentially leveraging um having the potential to leverage into other things and other areas and probably those would be on a very basic level they would still be my my aspirations for the podcast at some point in the future um apart from what i get out of it personally just putting it out once a week which is just a form of sort of lo-fi um you know lo-fi sort of self-therapy for me on a, on a level like i mean the therapeutic aspect of just doing something that is creative um starting conversations raising issues that i think are interesting and doing so in a in a mode and in a voice that i believe to to be true and authentic i mean that that all becomes for me personally away from the microphone um without any interaction with anybody else that's just a, a positive exchange that i have with this process um but to go back then to the idea of yeah the the internet and what it seems to be doing to a lot of people that i know um it's kind of melting their brains and the first my first thought when i hear that is well what what are you consuming what are any of us consuming and i'm sure i've expressed this idea before but to go back to something like the whale um, where there are instances of watching brendan fraser feed himself and feed his his pain um in you know in ways and quantities uh that feel to connect very clearly to what his body has become and i think we're invited quite shamelessly by the director to find it quite grotesque um and yeah that that that, i mean i have to say though those moments definitely worked in that regard for me um but to draw the connection to that to to the internet I'd be asking myself or anybody else, what are you consuming online? Is it good for you? Really? And it might be something that you're 
diverted by it might be something that has just become habitual oh i listen to this person or i watch those videos or i consume this or i consume that but ask yourself and i'm asking myself is it good is it good for me is this making me better or is it making me worse uh what's the the net impact of this on my 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 well-being um I mean, largely what I consume is, you know, stuff related to, to movies, um, other podcasts, uh, a lot of stuff about sport, I suppose, political stuff, um, you know, some, you know, social, cultural issues stuff. Um, and, and I kind of stay away from the the more strident, uh, aggressive voices. It's, it's, not a, it's not a mode that I'm interested in. Um, and again, I don't even know what that means. I mean, that, that, that's just such a generalized thing to say. But I know there was a, an article recently in the New York Times. Uh, my, my uncle sent it to me to have a, have a look. And I couldn't open it because I don't have a subscription. So I'll have to I'll find another way to, to read it. But fundamentally, it was saying, um, <laughs> I think the general gist was, the article was about like, why women are sick of guys with podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> excuse me um and i was wondering was this written for my wife about me <laughs> um and there was a reference i saw in the i don't know if it was the, the the subheading or in the opening paragraph or just a clip an extract from the the article above the line was something about um a podcast bro and i thought oh okay right yeah that's a that's a thing the podcast bros and i immediately thought of joe rogan and i thought well maybe i need to redub him bro rogan um because that feels like a very bro scenario and i suppose you know, I, I, you know, I'm just kind of, I want to step carefully here because you've, you've heard me, if you listen to the podcast, you've heard me sing the, sing the praises of my male friends and how important they are to me. Um, some, just such significant uh, people in my life um, who've been so supportive and, um, yeah, so supportive and sort of... Uh, often emotionally resilient um and just kind of what you know what you want your friends to be um good people to talk to good people to to sound off with good people to get a bit of pushback from um good people to laugh with and and share moments with um and who broadly speaking have um you know broadly speaking mean you know men have consistently admired and 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 respected um and that in itself is a a source of of strength a source of inspiration um and a source of comfort and if that means they're my bros uh, on some level uh i'm okay with that but i think when people talk about um a podcast bro (laughs) they're talking about something different aren't they um and then that becomes that kind of that blokey thing um, where there's 
a kind of a mutual appreciation that can get a bit tone deaf. I suppose that's how I'd put it. And I mean, any any little group, any little society can always be guilty of that. Isn't this wonderful? Aren't we wonderful? Isn't it all going amazingly well? And fair play to us. And we don't need to care about anyone else because we're so we're so secure in our club that we're impervious to the concerns or criticisms of others and to to compound our feeling of security or to bounce off this feeling of security we might even we might even throw a bit of shit around we might even feel so confident that we can kind of punch down a bit um and be unapologetic um in our, our disregard for the feelings of other groups maybe i mean maybe that's what happens and sure i can relate to that i can certainly say yeah i've been guilty of that in the name of humor in the name of male bonding bonding with pals um in the in the pursuit of a laugh um but that's been done privately not publicly uh so i suppose that's the difference um and that's not very interesting and like i'd find that too like certain podcasts i listen to male presenters having a laugh good pals long relationship and that that flavor comes up every now and again and it's it's really yeah it's it's kind of instantly dull uh sometimes you know the right amount of it can be very funny and entertaining and relatable um but other times it can just feel a bit self-indulgent and again that tone deafness can creep in in places so yeah that's that's in the mix as well anyway that's sorry that 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 was a bit of a sideline um just it was on my mind so i'm putting it out there um but one thing that i was saying on the back of that conversation with friends the russell brand thing and then me thinking about well okay what's the internet doing to us and what are we consuming and who who are we consuming online and how many of us have a habitual overconsumption of online content and it just got me thinking for the first time about how the internet gives away so much it gives us so much for free just endless endless content for free endless content that we haven't paid for apart from your internet subscription whatever you're paying for your, your broadband or wi-fi or whatever um that's it so much is just given 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 it's a deluge it's a free-for-all it's an, an a never-ending buffet of whatever you want it's all there for free and for the first time ever i was thinking oh yeah okay so we're consuming this without having to pay for anything. It doesn't cost us anything. And there's something about a relationship with, you know, that we have, I believe, that we can have with, thing, with things that are for free. That is very different to things that we've had to pay for. Um, and we tend to relegate it or demote it in, in ways uh, now you might go, okay, well, for example, that wouldn't apply to a library because a library is free and you can go in, you can read lots of borrowed books and read books and all of that. Um, 
and yet if I borrowed a book from a library I might go ah sure I can borrow it another time I didn't read it I'll bring it back I'll get it again but a book that I've bought from a bookshop for example I'd be more inclined to sit down and read maybe again that that's also habitual um, and habits you've cultivated over whatever however long um, but I just thought there's something in this idea this transaction of consuming free content and I started to think about well I haven't earned this and I'm, I'm just going to experiment in the coming weeks with what I'm consuming online and I'm going to try and start thinking about it in terms of have I earned this moment have I earned this right to spend 10 minutes 20 minutes 30 minutes an hour reading or consuming something online what have I done to kind of create the right to have this time allocated to this free stuff and what's it doing for me other than feeding a habit that I've developed over 20 years or more um, because I think there's something in that there's no investment on my part as the consumer i'm just consuming kind of mindlessly um and it's a it's just a, it's just it's just a it's just a comfort and i was making an analogy you can you can decide how successful this is or not that you know the internet is like it's like the drug dealer who who gives you that first taste for free to get you hooked but then unlike the drug dealer the internet just goes it's all good i'm just going to keep giving you drugs more and more and they'll remain free um and you're going to be so hooked and just want more and more because that's that's the that's the addiction pattern the same amount no longer does the same thing so you need a bigger hit and a bigger hit and a bigger hit um because it's not reaching the same spot um and then a pattern that can happen is an addict gets clean but then they have a relapse and they go back and they think, oh yeah, I'll take the same amount I had the last time, um, which was an amount that would have increased over the course of their previous period of addiction. And they get the same amount that they finished having before and they OD, it kills them. So what what am I saying there? If I take a break from the internet and then I go back, maybe I should go, okay, let's change the habit little by little and I mean in a way that that is this that's the kind of negotiation I'm having at the moment with myself going okay hold on let's just chill the bones and be a lot more disciplined about what we're consuming um and it's it's yeah it's mind candy and I, I must say and I, I have said this before Instagram little Instagram reels videos whatever funny ones educational ones bloody animal ones Often it's funny stuff, or else, you know, for me it's funny stuff, cat stuff, martial arts stuff, maybe maybe movie stuff, little quotes from actors talking about the process, um, and of late kind of retro music things. There's a guy who does these like retro synth uh, soundtracks, uh, soundtracks, uh, which I <laughs> which I'm finding compelling, but it's it it is it's just it's mind candy, but it's kind of mind garbage it's not really it's not, again it's not really doing anything for me so what am i doing um 
So yeah, earned. Is it earned? The transaction. Is it earned? What am I expecting from what I've put in? And I've put in nothing, but I'm taking a lot. And that's an imbalance. And I don't think that's a natural, it's not a natural exchange. And I'm really, and yeah, I don't want to misrepresent how much time I've been spending online. But I must say, I've been feeling less productive. My brain has been feeling less um, focused, maybe in a way, or, or less able to produce, uh, particularly um, you know, maybe in, in, in the writing area. So and I, I'd like for myself to cultivate uh, some better habits. So watch this space in that regard. Now, I mentioned Ronald Reagan. So if you want to listen to a broadcast that I think is really good, I've mentioned this before, The Rest is History is an excellent history podcast. Um, and <laughs> am I going to get these guys' names wrong? I didn't mention them the last time, so I can remember them. It's Tom Holland and Damien Westbrook. Is that right? Anyway, I, I mentioned them fairly recently that the, the assassination episode, because I'd listened to their episode on Julius Caesar and this, the assassination of Julius Caesar. These guys are great. They're great to listen to history nuts um, and history scholars. And they speak with great enthusiasm and warmth and a depth of knowledge uh, and good humor uh, about history. And they've just done three episodes on the Ronald Reagan story um his journey from kind of i mean to say he's a he was a b-list actor might be a bit unfair he was bloody he was making very good money um but his journey from hollywood to the white house fundamentally and you know right through to the end of his his second term as president um really 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 interesting really interesting um and i suppose Reagan would have been the you know the first American president that I would have been aware of in my lifetime um you know apart from referencing historic US presidents um he was the American president of my childhood um and I I, I don't know I'm trying to remember like my my I don't know I I I'm, I'm asking myself now what my perceptions of him were as a kid um, I don't think I had a strong opinion one way or another. He was just the U.S. president. He seemed a bit old. He seemed a bit. He seemed a bit doddery in some way. Um, not especially relatable. But you know, why would a president be relatable to a child? Um, I knew that he liked Star Wars, and I thought that was very interesting. I didn't realize he was talking about like an anti-nuclear laser program. That was going to put up a shield to protect the U.S. from Soviet nuclear strikes. I, of course, thought he was talking about um, C-3PO and Han Solo and those guys. I mean, I did. I did work out there was a, a difference uh, at quite a young age. I wasn't completely uh, clueless in that regard. I go, oh, Star Wars. And I go, oh, he's not talking about the movie. Um, and then I knew I, I picked up at some point that he was an actor. He was famously one of the earlier choices for the role of Rick in Casablanca. I don't know if you knew that. Um, yeah. Anyway, listening to the guys on The Rest is History talk about Ronald Reagan, um, he 
you know, he was an interesting character. And I remember reading an article about him a few years ago where it was made very clear that he was excellent at sticking to the script. Um, and all his anecdotes were delivered like speeches from a movie. Uh, he wasn't really someone who just kind of ad lib and speak naturally off the cuff. Everything was pre-rehearsed. Everything was locked in in his kind of actor's brain. But he did that exceptionally well. And regardless of his politics, he he tapped into something that the American electorate wanted at the time of his coming to power. And that that, quite simply, was positivity. <laughs> now that might sound really really naff but listening to the podcast the the guys on the rest of his history were making it very clear that jimmy carter who reagan replaced um his presidency wasn't particularly successful and he was very very negative in his rhetoric he was kind of going look there's a, a malaise that's afflicting america and at that time, uh, late 70s into uh, 1980, um, Reagan, you know, was, 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 this, was an antidote to a depressed America. Um, Jimmy Carter downplayed his status and tried to be a man of the people, accessible and relatable, normal, and didn't want to be flash. And Reagan was the opposite. And this is something that the, the, the rest of his history made very clear, that he, he was very tuned into the, uh, the role and playing the role and walking the walk and wearing the clothes and never being photographed or seen casually in the White House, in the Oval Office, always wearing a suit and tie, always looking the part, um, always being presidential. And after Carter, and maybe after the, the cynicism of the 70s years and Watergate and Vietnam and the loss of faith in the institutions, Reagan restored faith in the role of the president and restored faith in the idea. And, you know, I'm not saying that this was authentic. I'm not saying that I believe, oh, yeah, well, that's what it is. He just sold the American public a story, a Hollywood fable. And because he was able to deliver um, and I mean deliver the story I don't mean deliver the reality uh, they they wanted that they wanted to be reassured that America was still great and having Reagan step into that role um, and restore sort of the glamour to the White House and to the, the role of president they lapped it up um, and Reagan was he was a populist in maybe in a more positive sense of the word uh, compared to how we've been using it in recent times, you know, thinking of the likes of Trump or Bolsonaro, etc. Um, he was a populist. He had great popular appeal and made, it, it would seem, just made people, you know, feel good um, because he radiated this kind of positivity and optimism and a belief in American entitlement to be at the top of the pile. Um, and when America was at a very low ebb, I think culturally and economically and politically, he was the balm that they, that they craved. And 
in a way, his his ascent to that office was was earned by the fact that he he had been on American radio for years as a very successful broadcaster um, of of you know sports commentator. Um, and then subsequently, he was a spokesperson for General Electric and used to go around and meet General Electric employees up and down the country. And he cultivated this relatability and accessibility that people really warmed to. Um, and was probably just a very, you know, a very kind of simple, romantic kind of guy and sort of unsophisticated in his his worldview um and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get into his politics and his opposition to communism and and all of that and reaganomics um uh go and listen to the the rest of the history podcast if, you, if you're interested or want to relive the reagan journey and the reagan era you know it's it's very very entertaining but I was listening to the last episode of that earlier today when I was out walking Pepper, the dog, in the, in, the, in the woods. And I was kind of going, oh, right, okay. So just that one idea, that single idea of Reagan being what people wanted and his messaging being what people wanted, um, being able to say the right thing at the right time, and I just thought, okay, so, and I mean, you might laugh at this, <laughs> but I was thinking, okay, so maybe in terms of our, our self-care, in terms of our own, whatever your individual wellness regime is, and particularly in moments when, like America in the late 70s or 1980, you're at a low ebb where you're feeling a lack of confidence you don't like what the world looks like when you're feeling very uncertain about the future because that's that that's a relatable idea on an individual level and maybe in those times we all need a little ronald reagan in us (laughs) not his politics i can't emphasize that enough i'm not talking about his politics i'm talking about his vibe i'm talking about the positivity i'm talking about having a little cheerleader inside you kind of going hey it's okay you're great everything's going to be fine the sun is coming up and it's a it's going to be a brand new day um and i've got nothing but faith in you (laughs) so um yeah so there you go that's um did i miss anything that's that's the that's the earnings idea did you earn it um i don't know anyway that was reagan that was darren aronofsky's the whale it was also everything everywhere all at once it was also the dangers of what we're consuming on the internet and that is yeah maybe that's that's the final takeaway from today's episode what are we consuming and have we earned what we've chosen to consume or is what we're consuming going to hurt us is it going to harm us um be careful be careful what we put into the system 
and that's digestively speaking but that's also emotionally speaking and that is also intellectually speaking what are we putting in because it you know it does it lands it lands somewhere it all goes somewhere this um you know this body this thing we walk around in it doesn't repel everything quite the contrary it takes so much in it takes so much in and i think part of staying in a stronger more resilient place and being in a more capable resourceful place is just paying a bit more attention to what we're putting into the system um and particularly when something might feel easy and nice like a lot of online stuff just be bloody careful um and really think well okay where is this actually going where is it landing where does it sit where does it stay and has it put me in a better place um and it's not to say we can't sometimes throw out the rule book and just go ah yeah i don't care (laughs) i need to just switch off but i think we're i'm talking about habitually i'm talking about routinely and i'm just trying to I'm trying to catch myself at the moment and look at some of my own habits uh, of, of late, of recent times. And I'm, I'm, I'm having a, a moment of reassessment. Okay, so that's it. That's, 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 that's your lot for today. Um, thank you so much for listening, if you stayed with this. And please, please come again. Please come again for another listen. And belated, I mean, this is ridiculous, belated last week when i was recording it was international women's day and i like to think i'm a big fan of women (laughs) i am i say that unequivocally um belated happy international women's day um yeah and I, i i celebrate the women in my life for lots of different reasons and they will feature again okay throw me some love on social media subscribe comment like share whatever and if you want to and and those social media links will be there wherever you're listening to the podcast um twitter instagram youtube facebook uh also if you want to support this independent production you can do so using the supporter link uh which should be there in the podcast details or you can become a regular contributor using the patreon link where you just throw, yeah, a few euros, dollars, whatever, a month um, into keeping this afloat, just as a way of saying, I dig what you do. I appreciate this. This is something positive. This gives me, I don't know, what does it give you? Food for thought. Gives you a laugh. It's diverting. It's got a little bit of substance to it, so it's not complete. Um, Pablum was the word of last week's episode apple pablum when referring to uh apple um, advertising um yeah there you go okay that's it that's all i've got listen take care mind yourselves and once again think about what you're putting in to the system and and listen listen to the ronald reagan within <laughs> the little cheerleader assuring you all will be well uh, you need you need a little bit of that you need to have a little bit of access to that that presidential guy. Okay, take it easy. I'll talk to you soon. All the best. Bye.